Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, and today I'm answering your questions. Anytime you submit questions on my social media, they could end up on this podcast. Let's dive into today's question. Hello, y'all. We are back for another episode, another Q&A, and today's going to be a little different. I want to tell a little bit of the story that was submitted. So each Friday on my Instagram, I do an Ask Me Anything question box, and this was a mama who submitted a series of answers, and I want to paint the full picture for you because I think this situation is pretty typical. So what this mama actually talked about is how her and her husband are at different stages of processing the autism diagnosis. It sounds based on the submission that the mom is further along in this journey than the dad is. And I will say this is so incredibly typical. And we do need to remember that acceptance is a process. So we're going to dive into that. And then what's happening is they are considering different decision-making in terms of therapeutic support for their autistic child and are having somewhat differing opinions. One of the questions that's coming into play is, should we be considering ABA? The dad is hesitant that their child will pick up the behaviors of the other children in a group-based program. And mom is considering, should we just do speech OT and maybe some other therapy? What might be some alternate approaches or alternate supports? And will that be enough for their child? So let's go ahead and actually dive into this episode. So first and foremost, let's talk about parents being on different pages. I'm going to recommend a couple different podcast episodes if you're listening to this one. So the first one that I'd actually listen to, that if you're the parent who is further along in the journey, then maybe the other parent is, listen to episode six, Navigating Autism When Your Circle is Unsupportive. And I know that title might be like, but my partner isn't unsupportive. They're just not in that acceptance process. But there's strategies in that episode that can help you to collaborate with them and help them to be able to build some acceptance. You also might recommend them diving into something like my podcast or like a book. For example, Uniquely Human by Dr. Barry Prezant is a great book. I've also heard The Reasons I Jump is a great book. That is not one I have personally read, but I've heard amazing, amazing things. So some sort of book, and I would Focus that book more on something that promotes and helps parents to understand neurodiversity and this overall acceptance of autism. So I think that's the first piece. But I also think that it's super important to keep in mind that this process is normal, that you and your partner or you and your co-parent might not be at the same pacing in terms of acceptance. So I will say typically what I find is the parent that is leading to drive through the evaluation process is the one pursuing it and taking the the lead or jumping into the driver's seat usually is the parent that is a little bit further along in the acceptance journey. So that's just something to keep in mind. And I think really allowing your partner or your co-parent to 
experience what they need to experience in terms of their emotions, knowing that it might be different than how you're experiencing it. A great episode on this also might be episode 15, The Emotional Journey of Getting an Autism Diagnosis with Chelsea Farmer. We talk a lot about the evolution of emotions throughout that. Episode 34, Letting Go of Perfection and Embracing Your Emotions might be a really helpful episode. And then the last one, that I'm going to actually mention is episode 28, the gap in the gain in parenting. This is less about the emotions, but more about the perspective of understanding your child and can help to build some acceptance around the diagnosis. So I think that's an important piece regarding therapy and making decisions for therapy. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know I'm really big into following your gut. And what following your gut requires is having informed consent about the different modalities. One last episode that I am going to recommend is 26, Why ABA is Controversial. This is just an introduction to the topic. I also link some resources there to learn a little bit more about ABA. And then in that episode, I also talk about if you choose to pursue ABA, what are some of the ways that you can advocate for your child? Regarding the group element is, yeah, there is some of it that your child may pick up and model other behaviors that children in the group are already doing. I will say it it sounds strange to think about, but if we are seeing imitation of other children's behaviors, that's actually a step in the right direction because that means that your child is beginning to imitate, which is really, really important for language development as well as play development. And then what you can do is you can talk with whatever therapist, ultimately, if it's ABA or not, hey, this is what I'm seeing. I've never seen this before. Can we work on this? So that is one option. The other option is to do more of a one-on-one model. Having them come out to your home is pretty common. I will say as a whole, I do not think that ABA is necessary. There's so many amazing modalities out there. And if you as a parent choose that you want to do ABA, I empower you to do that because I don't know your child. Now, again, in that episode, episode 26, you are going to hear about how the autistic community thinks that ABA can be harmful or traumatic for your child. And this is where informed consent comes into play. I ultimately choose to still give parents the decision-making because I think it's important that you figure out what is best for your family. I think another element is in some areas, that's the only option too. So if you're going to do it, learning how to advocate for your child. Now, is the idea of speech and occupational therapy and maybe some additional therapies enough? And I absolutely think that they can be. So one of the quote unquote, advantageous things that people say about ABA therapy is the amount of hours that you are getting. What research has shown is that you need 25 hours of early intervention. So if we're thinking more for young kids, but here's the thing is those 25 hours don't need to be formalized therapy instruction. It could be things like speech and OT. It could be things where you're practicing those skills at home. It also can be a preschool setting where they're supporting them like through an IEP. And I absolutely love being able to teach parents how to basically be a coach for their kids' development. And 
the thing with it is it's helping parents to know how to teach the skills and also at the same time, learning how to attend to the behaviors that are already happening, the bids that are already happening. And this can be such a helpful shift. It's not only helpful for encouraging that behavior to continue to happen, like like for example, making some babbling sounds in response to you, or even teaching something like sign language. It's encouraging to help that behavior go along, but also your child is going to feel seen and heard, which is really, really important. I say this a lot on the podcast, on my social media. It's important to think of all behavior as communicative. It is, right? And so we have to understand as adults and potentially as non-autistic adults, you may be autistic yourself, you may not be, but even if you are autistic, your child's form of communication might be different than yours. So it's, it's our job and our role to be the interpreters. Now, one of the things though, this mama had asked is like other types of therapy. And I think one of the things that we don't often think about too, is working with some sort of mental health therapist or psychologist who specializes in autism, whether that's a play therapist or like for myself, I really, especially for young kids, love teaching parents how to support their child's development naturalistically in everyday situations. And the book that I use as a basis to the work that I'm doing is called An Early Start for Your Young Child with Autism. And so I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes. So I think overall, first and foremost, is realizing that you and your partner are going through this journey together. You guys are going to be at different stages, learning how to communicate and support each other and also give each other space. And I also think it's really important that you guys are communicating about what you both feel it's going to be best for your child and having an ongoing conversation. I I actually think it's really helpful when parents don't agree right away, because then they're really able to assess the pros and cons. I think first and foremost, educating yourself about ABA therapy so you can make an informed consent. And I think ABA therapy is widely pushed right now particularly by many psychologists or many developmental pediatricians who just haven't started to listen to autistic voices. We're used to prescribing ABA therapy. Your pediatrician also might be used to prescribing ABA therapy. And I think that ABA therapy, some centers are starting to shift, but not all are. So educating yourself so you can make an informed decision. And I think that things like speech language therapy and occupational therapy are going to be great additions. And you as a parent ultimately can pull tips, strategies, and all of that to be able to support your child naturalistically. I also highly, highly recommend either getting connected with your state's birth to three program or getting connected with the school system for an IEP. So those are some of the pieces that I would say And what I'm going to encourage you is don't feel pressured into any one choice. Inform yourself, collect the evidence, and then follow your gut and intuition about what's going to ultimately be best for your child. And don't be afraid to interview therapists or different places that you're calling around 
ask them about what their approach is. Ask them, don't be afraid to even say, hey, here's what my hesitancies are. Or asking, hey, how much, especially on the speech OT side or mental health therapist side or like play therapist side, how much do you actually know about autism? How many autistic children have you worked with? How many autistic children are on your caseload right now? Because you have that right to be able to have that information to make sure that they're ultimately going to be able to support your child. All right, y'all, that is a wrap for today's episode. Like I said, this was a little bit of a different Q&A format. I wanted to give you the broader scope. I could have parsed this apart into separate questions, but I think ultimately this paints the picture of what it's like for many families in trying to decide what is the next best steps for their child. And some of that even comes with learning to accept and embrace your child's diagnosis and how their brain is built in order then to make the best decisions for them. I will be back next week with more episodes and you can expect another Q&A episode next Friday as well. All right, y'all. Bye. This episode was meant to be short and sweet. Full-length episodes air every Wednesday with many episodes like this sprinkled in between. So subscribe now so you don't miss the next one. And if you want to inspire a future episode, because that's how we roll over here, ask me a question on any of my social media pages for a chance to have your question featured. Bye, y'all, and I'll see you soon.